Yes. That's great. Thank you very much. And you look at the to the latest Respectfully podcast. I'm Lauren Stone. And I'm Nikki Pope. And today we have got some very exciting guests to talk about the booming business of barbering. Oh, have you got some men in? We have. Oh, lovely. <laughs> we've got Mikey Pearson from Manifesto and we've got Joe Mills from Joe & Co. Wow. Quite different but the same. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Oh, I've got some questions. I need to get to the bottom of all this what's men's hairdressing and what's barbering business. Oh, Hopefully they can enlighten me. Well, I'm hoping so. And we've got boys, so we need to know this. Oh, we do, yeah, for future reference. Four boys between us. Okay, (laughs) better get on to it. Yeah, let's go. Um, Today in the Respectfully Kitchen, we've got Joe Mills from Joe & Co and the newly opened Mills Barbers and Mikey Pearson from Manifesto. So we're going to be talking, I think you probably guess, all about men and men's hairdressing, barbering. Um, So yeah, let's get going. Hello everybody. Hello Joe. Hey guys, good morning. Hi Mikey. (laughs) Yeah, let's get going. Wow. Very excited to have you here. So men's hairdressing, barbering, what's the difference is my big question. But maybe just before that, put yourself in context slightly. So Joe, just give us like a couple of sentences so that our listeners can kind of get where you're coming from. Um, I've been cutting hair since I was 14. I'm 50 uh, and the last sort of 15 years kind of focused on, on the men's side of the industry more. Um, yeah, it's for me cutting hair is cutting hair, doesn't matter what it is, but yeah, so... But and you've got two or three brands, you've yeah, got so we've got so we've got in Soho in London, we've got the Lounge Soho, which is my first store, which we opened in 98, and then we opened around the corner, uh, Joe & Co's uh, barbershop, um, nine years ago, uh, and then last year, or start of this year, we got involved with Primark and we launched the Mills Barbers. Uh, in Manchester and Birmingham then and then we've just opened another Joe and Co in Soho which is called Yard Sale which is a, like a concept store. Wow and Mikey. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so you are famously with Manifesto? Yes I am yes so I'm one of the co-owners and um, so my background is I started off as a unisex hairdresser which uh, um, I did for about five years six years and then my work started taking me more into a men's kind of direction with a few clients where I ended up having to work more outside of the salon, like on tour and stuff like that. So I um, started focusing more on men's and uh, started learning more kind of like clipper work Mm -hmm. because my background sassoons where I wasn't allowed to use clippers. So I really enjoyed learning and understanding clippers because I was finally allowed to use them. So before I let Lauren get a word in edgeways, can I just ask <laughs> a question? So essentially, so Joe, very quickly, what would be the difference between a barber shop and a men's hairdressing salon? Personally, I don't think there is a difference. I think Ooh, cutting hair is cutting hair. Yeah. But I know that within the industry, there is a little bit of pushback um, for me it's really difficult because when I say the same as Mikey when I started I learned how to cut men and women's hair and in in the you know back in when I was learning at 14 15 16 going to a barber's was what you did with your dad and when you wanted to get a decent haircut in those days you went to the unisex store because they would be more fashion forward yeah and now I don't think you know and now barbering has become a very kind of um 
it's become a buzz job almost like DJing was or a tattooist was now it's being a barber and it's a, a way into a creative industry that is perceived relatively easy so you know lots of people call themselves barbers and really we all just cut hair so I'd, I'd struggle a little bit with with the difference with the, you know yeah. we call ourselves a men's salon Okay. But in in, in Mike is probably the same as, as me in, in in regards to, you know, we get you know guys and girls coming in. They just want a, a, a good haircut, and yeah. and it's more of a male environment, yeah. or more of a masculine feel. But you but know, you we have don't. Both. Yeah, we've got the word barbershop outside, and on the on the on the on the website, we talk about being creative men stylists. So, no, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So, like uh, Joe said as well. So I'm from a. Uh, unisex background like I mentioned before so I do get asked a lot what makes us more of a hair salon than a barbershop and the truth is all I know is hair salons yeah because I've never worked in a what might be seen as a hardcore barbershop yeah and in my vision what might be a barbershop would be something like half an hour haircuts 15 20 yeah that's pounds. how I think of it but, yeah but barbershops also I mean do they do colour Generally, do you Gen- generally no, and you, but you can also argue that there are a lot of, you know, I've got a couple of colorists who work for me in Joe and Co, yeah. and I've got a, color, a couple of colorists in Mills, but I don't know how standard that is. I know a lot of, you know, there's, you know, lots of other stores that 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 are the same kind of price point as us, and you know, standard wise, there's I know guys who charge five pounds are amazing at fades, yeah. and I, I know guys who, who charge eighty five pounds. You couldn't match that so it's not necessarily yeah. a skill driven thing no. it's more of a perceived how you project yourself onto the marketplace but I know guys who work in really high end men's stores and they don't do any colouring at all Right. And but can they do a wet shave some of them can't you know I've got guys who work for me that you know are phenomenally talented in, in certain areas like with longer hair and stuff like that but may, may choose not to do wet shaves because they don't they don't like doing the service <laughs> so it's uh, you know I, I, yeah. I think it's I think there's I think there's a bigger shift within the industry if you think about how you know everyone's talking about being far more gender fluid and not not having you know assignments to what you you know you know what you do or what you are having a like a barbershop or the mentality that this is a men only space and protected I don't know how that's going to fit moving forwards mm-hmm. and barbering should you know barbering or cutting hair you know you could argue that barbering is far more about shaving and beards and, and that kind of end of it as opposed to maybe the stuff that me and, me and um, Mickey do, uh, Mikey do about you know where it's more softer or longer or forward thinking or fashion focused or yeah, you know it's yeah I think there's a <laughs> you know I don't know how, what do you think about it no, 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 I agree with you. So how do you think hairdressing is going to, uh, men's hairdressing specifically, is going to advance in the future then? Because you're saying a lot about, um, you know, how you don't know how it's going to fit in, how barbering is going to fit in traditional barbering, I guess. There'll always be a marketplace where, you know, it's, it's you know, it's. I did an article recently about beards and it was all about, you know, where beards are heading and stuff mm. like that. And I'm, you know, if you've got a guy that's invested two years in growing a, a, a very established beard, he's not going to shave it off because no. everyone's talking about being clean shaven necessarily. Same as barbering, you know, people go, you know, my dad goes to his local barber in the village and that he's very happy with that. And then equally, when I go into that barber shop, because I know the guy who owns it, all the young guys that go in there still go there. There's, yeah. I think there's, there's a, a market within all of the industry, whether it's hairdressing and having spent time at Salon this year, you know, there's lots of, you know, lots of growth and, you know, equally people like Sassoon and Tony and Guy have all adapted how they 
treat the men's market and you know clippers are far more widely available the men's education is is, is far greater i think that the industry as a whole just needs to just be aware of what's going on around it and and, and change accordingly mm. you know and just move with it you know it's you know, there'll always be people that don't want to do this or don't want to do that or will say, no, you can't, have, you know, we don't do women's hair in here. You know, that, that will always exist. So what would be your age demographic then in, in your, in, in Joe and Co? Uh, from 14-year-old kids up to 75-year-old men. Oh, really? It's broad, yeah. Because I just feel like some of the older generation might be intimidated by a men's hairdressing salon as opposed to they're used to going to a barber's, but you don't find that. I think, you know, but... My spaces are very much um, they're they're an easy fit. You yeah. know, they're not intimidating. And if I felt that all my guys were stood around thinking they're too cool for school, then mm. we'd have to have a serious conversation. But <laughs> you know, it, it needs to be somewhere I want to hang out. Yeah. And if I can't, if I don't feel that I can hang out in that space, then that's not I think it's really interesting. Don't you think that's really important to men? I mean, I've got teenage boys who will happily go and hang out at the barbers yeah. in a way that they certainly wouldn't mm. at a salon. But equally, at the age they are, I couldn't imagine a 14-year-old girl feeling that she could just go and hang out at the salon. Do you know what I mean? So I think, from that point of view, the barbershop vibe is really attractive, you know, when you're starting out, you know, for young people learning to go and get their hair done and things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What is the vibe like in your salon? Like, what do you do to make it comfortable and make it appealing to men as opposed to women, I guess? So, um, at Manifesto, we've really thought about, like, the interior from the music to what drinks we have to offer and like the waiting area and yeah. the magazines we have because um, with our appointments lasting 45 minutes to an hour and if some stylists are running slightly behind, um, a client could easily spend like an hour mm-hmm. in, their, uh, in the salon. So it's very important for us that during their time there they feel kind of relaxed, not rushed they are, um, they have a nice drink with them. They're listening to nice kind of relaxing music, depending on what time of day it, it is. So um, yeah, I think it's really important for us at Manifesto is to create a nice atmosphere yeah. for people to come in at any age and feel like they belong there and they feel like they can stay there. And do you find as well, because I, I don't know, traditionally, I guess men want to go in and come out and that's it, that's done. Do you, are you, do you find that they, you know, relish that idea of sitting in the chair and, you know, a bit of pampering almost? For oh, them? yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think uh, um, how uh, um, noticing what it used to be like when I was younger. Yeah. How you thought men would go in, get the haircut and then get out. Get out and it yeah. would be like, no the quicker, chip-chip. the better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But definitely as... I'm not sure if people say like uh, um, social media and pampering and all this stuff. Men do tend to take more care of their appearance. Yeah. What sure. happened to that word metrosexual that we all used well, on journalism? We did like yeah. in the two thousands metrosexual, and you don't even hear it anymore now. I think <laughs> there was a backlash against that though. That's why. All of a sudden, guys started, you know, growing beards, and the haircuts got harder and sharper. Oh, it became yeah. far more. It, be, you know, it was almost like men reclaim their masculinity. Almost, <laughs> yes, yeah. it became a real shift back away from that. Yeah, and it was almost, you know, it's, it's everything's trend led. Everything shifts and moves. And you know, realistically, if you sit and look back through, you know, whether it's fashion or or, or hair or whatever, it's it, everything's circular. It changes and it adapts and, you know, I remember at 16 my dad telling me that he used to listen to something or wear something similar to me and I'd 
was horrified at the thought yeah. that my dad had any kind of idea. Yeah. But there, looking back now, and when we talk about reference points, and you know, you, you know, the team I've got around me when we do our creative meetings and stuff like that, you know, they start talking about, oh yeah, you know, sort of curtains from the nineties. Now I remember that because I was going out raving in the nineties. Yeah. But stuff is stuff has you know, we we pull stuff from different influences, and so with the metrosexual thing there was a you know there was a real shift to that and it and, and then all of a sudden it you you go it almost goes opposite to opposite it does because we had like the laddish and then the metrosexual then the the beardy correct and now it's getting softer again yeah it's interesting isn't and it? longer and you know more natural yeah so both your salons are obviously based in london so you know there's lots of people around you've got a huge market um you, Joe, have obviously got um, Mills Barbers that's just opened sure, up yeah, in yeah. Birmingham and Manchester in Primark. Yeah. How, what's the clientele like up there? How is it, are there more barbers up there? Are you kind of revolutionary, you know, almost having a hairdressing salon for men as opposed to a barber shop, or is it? I think no matter where you go, whether you go to a small seaside town or you go to any big city, there, you know, barber shops are booming or men's hairdressers or whatever you want to call them they're booming yeah they're opening all the time and they're all at different price points all the different kind of brands are catering for all different walks mm-hmm. of society what we got the opportunity with primark was to get a foothold in high streets that would be unobtainable yeah so manchester and birmingham did i sit there going oh i want to open a shop in manchester no but when the opportunity came it fitted client wise we get everything from you know guys who are waiting for their partner to do shopping to kids who work in the area. Mm-hmm. We get a real broad section um, of the of, of society coming in, and that's what's interesting about it. And being on the high street makes it convenient for a lot of people. And how do you create the atmosphere within another brand? Almost like? same thing. So it's exactly you know exactly what we we're talking about. That we're very specific about the brand. So for me, it's not just opening a shop. It's sitting there and going what's 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 our ethos how, what's the, what's our dna how do we talk about who we are what's the conversation we have how do we dress how do we you know what music do we play same same as you guys what magazines do we have what's the waiting area like all of that is mapped out before you even start so then when we opened in manchester for example Birmingham's slightly different because it is almost a standalone space within a space right manchester's more on the shop floor but the walls go floor to ceiling. Do you have your own entrance or you have to go through to the shop? In too? Birmingham, you it's at the back of the store uh, at Moore Street and it has its, uh, it, it's, it's right beside one of the main entrances, okay. but it has its own doors. We can close the door, but we have all our own music played in there. It's our playlisted. We put it together, you know, the, the magazines in there, everything, all the design, everything is ours. You know, the branding, everything is ours. It's really interesting, I think, that um, between the two of you, you've got lots of, um, aspects of the idea of diversifying so I know that manifesto you your space is multi-use isn't it you have like you can use it for like events and you have yeah our level lane branch is more suitable for that so we've had like gigs played in there we've had a uh, um, uh, uh, film launched in there we've had the uh, art galleries in there and what have you so you set it up to almost be like this is a community or this is because it's about the shape of the high street, isn't it? Yeah. So shops are disappearing and it's more about the services and the places for people to be. So whether it's getting your hair done or mm-hmm. whether it's a space that they associate with or they see, even people walking past seeing something's happening in there, I think is quite an interesting way that we're going, you know, with the sort of smart... Yeah, sure. Stuff. So uh, our Lever Lane branch is quite a lot larger than our Coles Drop Yard branch. 
and uh, when you've got like six chairs in the salon it doesn't fill up the whole space so then it was like right great let's use a space and and uh, do like events when we can and like yeah. get our teams together our clients together our friends together and yeah, which uh, helps the yeah, perception it's yeah. almost like a community yeah. yeah exactly yeah and for anybody listening who isn't so familiar with the area it's quite a trendy quite a cool raw young area then you know it's not like oxford street is it oh no no, no so it. um like clerkenwell is a lot more kind of like a working environment yeah so we have a lot of like a clientele there like from lawyers to uh, creative directors yeah, media to uh, media yeah, yeah exactly yeah. media fashion designers jewelry designers and then Joe, you've kind of done both because you are part of somebody else's diversifying. So sure. Primark yeah. is clearly up with the story that you know people aren't shopping as much right. as they were. So in order to pull them into the store, you need to be adding services and other reasons for them to come in. But then equally, I know that in one of your places in Soho, yeah, you, you have yes, yeah, so we we've just opened. So we had um, a third site in Soho. They were pretty much all in the same street, which everyone thought we were mad to do but it mm-hmm. kind of works uh, and we had another space and we needed four more chairs same kind of conversation you just had mm-hmm. so what we did was I have a, you know, a mad passion with fashion and music so you know we came up with the idea of the yard sale so what it is is it's a three chair barbershop but we also sell vintage vinyl and we also do we do uh, clothing but the clothing is really specific so we do a drop we change the stock every two weeks so at the moment we've got a British designer, Lou Dalton, in there doing a two-week pop-up. She finishes on Saturday, and then for example, next week is two weeks of '90s Prada Sport, and right. then after that will be two weeks of '90s Com, uh, Com de Garcon, or you know whatever. And we've got you know two and a half, three thousand pieces of clothing, so we can change it up from a men's perspective. And does it work? Do they cross refer? Does somebody come in for a haircut Massively. and go out with a record? I think. Look, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. hundred percent. Because what you get is this. It, at the end of the day, that if you, that I know my clientele and I know the people that, that are around me, and whether it's in Birmingham or Manchester or London or, or you know even when I travel doing session work and stuff like that, you know you see things. And for me, cutting hair is just another element of of uh, the badges we wear. Whether it's the clothing, the music, our tattoos, or whatever it is, it's all part of that. Mm-hmm. So what we've tried to do, is, and for me, it's a big passion of mine to go, I've got this space, I don't want to stick another 10 chairs in there because it's just look like, look like a football pitch with people standing around, there's no yeah. point. So what can I utilise that space for? From a business perspective, which is obviously the under, under underlying issue here, mm-hmm. does it make sense? But equally, you know, like my team gets super excited about, okay, what's the next drop? What's coming in next? Yeah. Clients talk about it. You know, you get this, it just, it, it creates a whole different kind of world. Mm. And, you know, having retailers bringing in services, there's definitely a marketplace for services to bring in exhibitions, live music events, if you've got the space and, you know, your neighbours don't kick off. Or like for us, yeah, or <laughs> yeah. like for us, okay, we'll do retail. Let's, yeah. but, but being specific. Yeah, has, not trying have, to be all But things. then that goes back to brand. What's yeah. our brand? Like you wouldn't have a band in there you didn't like, or you oh, wouldn't no, have a, no. you wouldn't do an art uh, art no. exhibition of work you didn't like. Same as me. We, I wouldn't stock a clothing I didn't like. Mm. And how is how has the world of social media affected men's barbering as well? Because I think obviously people are more aware of what they look like, whether you're a man or a woman. 
So from a client perspective or an industry perspective? Well, I guess both really. Let's start with industry. Social media is, you know, it's, it's a massive important part of what we have to do. Mm. And it's a, uh, you know, it's a, a necessary evil. It's a platform for you to exhibit who you are, what you do and what your brand says. How relevant is it in the real world of business and driving clients to your store? It's, you know, if you actually pull up a Google Analytics of, you know, how many people follow you on Instagram and where they're from, you will see literally a spread across multiple regions. How many of those are ever going to come in and get their, their haircut with you? Argumentative. Yeah. But we, you obviously you still do. What you do get is a way of, of of showcasing who you are and what you do. Yeah. So there's a really important that's a really important platform. And from a personal perspective, as a man, do you kind of do you think that that's helped people to help men to think? Oh, you know, I know I want to look nice. People, you know, embracing the social media. Yeah. So talking to a couple of my friends, and uh, they mentioned it to me once, and then. Every now and again, if I get a moment, I'm looking outside and I see someone walk past. Is that people tend to, if they're not aware of your brand or your company, they might walk past and then see it, like the logo, and be like, oh. And then they go straight onto their phones and then start going yeah, onto yeah. Instagram to yeah, check. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then they start, I guess, they check how many followers you have. or yeah. And then the imagery of it. Yeah. And try and get like a vibe of your style and what have you. Yeah, that's true. It's like Googling someone before you meet them. Yes, know? exactly. And then talking to a few uh, people from uh, um, the area who work in tech, they're going to have this thing where when you walk past a uh, shop or a salon and then you're not even looking at the salon, but you look at your Instagram or something then an advert of that yeah. sound might oh, talk about yeah, your yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. which, yeah. So for me, I think talking to a few people in different industries when it comes to uh, social media and stuff, it's a massive, massive uh, platform. Okay. I think it, yeah, I think it's really influential. And I think um, the American uh, barbers and men's hairdressers use it a lot. And I think it helps people to follow tribes or looks or... You know, it sort of comes, I suppose, in the same way as the music has and the influences and the, yeah. you know, the icons, the Kanye West. But I and do the think it is players. a double edged sword. Yeah. I do think that we are awash with influencers and, you know, and, and really, you know, I've, I've done lots of work with big brands outside of hairdressing and where people are paid as influencers and paid a lot of money. And when you really start digging down about where these half a million followers are from, what their demographic is, how many actually exist, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Oh, yeah. Fundamentally, yeah. for me, you know, it's about, you know, if, if I'm honest, we get more new clients via webs our website purely than Facebook or Instagram. Right. Literally by about 100%. Really? Yeah, so people look, uh, will Google who you are, like haircut in Soho, yeah. and will come up one. They'll, you know, we spend a lot of money on our SEO on that and really drive that business. They'll look at our client styles and we, we, we have that, that's updated weekly. Mm. We, have, we have someone working on that every week. Yeah. And that's, that is, for me, is a, a, a cleaner way of tracking and understanding your business than Yeah, I think websites, media. you know, they're hard work. Uh, I think there was so much interest in launching websites. Everybody was launching websites in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, but and happily putting up news pages, blog pages about our team. But unless you're prepared to work it and update it, 
it, it can date you as well. So I think a website is massively important, but you've got to understand it's that it's, yeah, it's a big investment. Yeah, in time as much as anything. So interesting. Do you think the brands are, the big brands are keeping up with the men's market? Do you think they, <laughs> do you think they are reading it right? Is it worth them investing in men sector products or should they be actually just making their ranges more unisex? Yeah. I think Joe's got a big opinion on this, but we'll start with Mikey. <laughs> me, me personally, yeah. if I was going to open, uh, launch a product range, even though I have men's hair salons, I would make the products unisex because hair's hair at the end of the day. And if you want something for volume, you'll have something for volume. If you want something to add moisture, you'd have something to add moisture. Yeah. And then I guess from a business point side of it as well, is that if I just advertise that as men's, then I'm missing half of the other market of yeah. women's. So yeah. I think unisex products would do, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree you know I'm doing a, a, a range next year with Primark um, with Mills and it's very it, you know obviously it has a you know there's a lot of products aimed at guys with beards and stuff like that but the all of the styling products sit anyone can use them yeah so that was a conscious decision in regards to big business supporting or looking at the industry my view on it is that this is what I mean by, about it being fractured. You know, if you are offering a £10 haircut service, the support from a professional product range doesn't exist. There's no real product range that can sit within that price point. So, for example, I don't know, Redkin or Bumble or Kevin Murphy or KMS, all of their base pomades or waxes are all over 12 to 15 quid. Right, so, yeah, which that, that fit takes them out of that market. Cost, yeah. So, and what sits beneath it tends to be you know and i've got mates who've got barbershops that do charge seven pound in you know in, in small seaside towns yeah. and you know they'll stock everything from i don't know vo5 to black and white so yeah. but what you what you're noticing with the big business is that everyone is talking about this is the big growth area and they're looking at it as a pounds and pence rather than looking at it about what can we do to support that side of the industry and you know i think that you know ranges are being launched and I don't think necessarily taking into account what us as salon owners need, how they can support us, you know, and, and, you know, it's, you know, you turn up at somewhere like salon and you look at all of the big stands and you're like, wow, okay, there's a lot of money here. Yeah. And then a lot of the, you know, the barbering guys and the men's hairdressing guys, it, it's considering we're the biggest growth area, we're not supported in the same no, way. But I think it comes back to that service mm. um, cost. And then also, what about the question of regulation? I mean, is, how, where do you both stand on the idea that, well, all hairdressing is unregulated, that anybody could open a barbershop? Is there also that perception that anybody has opened a barbershop? So that's, how are we going to pull everything up without some kind of regulation or standardisation or insistence on qualifications? Do you have a view on that, Mikey? Um, for me, uh, the MVQ level two is seen as you are a qualified hairdresser or a barber and a MVQ level two person fresh from graduating coming into manifesto um, would not would not not happen how quickly can you get an MVQ two in barbering in nine weeks nine weeks full time five days a week the problem the problem with state registering this as an industry is that it's not state registering it's the qualification. Right. So 
you know, we're in exactly the same position as you, Mikey. We literally get 30 CVs a week across the country, MVQ Level 2 in barbering, fast track course. Did an MVQ Level 3, MVQ Level 2 and 3 in 12 weeks. Wow. Now, I don't know how that works. If you've already got a hairdressing background and you went and did an MVQ Level 2 in hairdressing, I can, I can see that working. Yeah. The issue goes back to how MVQ have allowed this process to happen right. because these people are being told that they're going onto the onto the shop floor salon ready yeah and i'm you know maybe there is a marketplace for those that standard of work to go out but back in the day when you had an apprenticeship where you had to you know i did two years in apprenticeship then i did a year as an improver then i got on the shop floor right is it like hairdressing is it possible to do an mvq in nine or twelve weeks just using doll's heads without even going near a client in barbering? Yeah, or of course. It is still. Yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's no restrictions. No. That's the, pro- that's the problem. When you look at the industry and the growth of the industry, the reason why there's so many barbershops opening up is the, the industry is being flooded. Now, does that mean that the quality is, is, is variant across the industry? 100%. Now, that's not a good... I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. I'm just saying that's what that exists. That is what it is, yeah. So the deal is, if you're going to make everyone state registered as they do in the States... It's understanding what does that really mean? Mm. How's that? How's that sense checked? Who's going to oversee it? And how, you know, just to say that I've got an MVQ level two in barbering or in hairdressing or that that doesn't That's mean. That's not the yeah. I the... did a, a really quick anecdotal story here. I went to a college many years ago to do some demonstrations. Um, not going to say where it was. It was it, it wasn't in London, <laughs> and I took a couple of my team down. We did some demonstrations. And at the lunch break, the person that was running the hair and beauty department uh, and overseeing the hairdressing course curriculum took me for lunch in their canteen. Mm -hmm. And I asked her how long she had been involved in the industry. It was her first year. She was in catering before that. And she was running there. Correct. Because as far as it is, as far (laughs) as she's concerned, education is education. Here's my syllabus. This is the results I've got to achieve. That's acceptable, right? Mm. And I literally fell off my chair. No, well, so you do that when you're teaching or anything, But you've got it, so, and, and that 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 genuinely happened. And for me, the question has got to be refocused, not about whether you know anyone anyone can open any kind of business. And I don't think there should be a restriction on you know someone who says I want to open a barbershop, opening a barbershop. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter if you're a businessman, you're a businessman or a woman. It, it doesn't matter. The people that work on the shop floor, we sense check everybody. You get yeah. trade tested, you run yeah. through training programs, mm-hmm. you start off at the lower level and you have to earn your stripes to progress. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have experience, you have to have knowledge. But that doesn't mean that, for example, in Mills, we do have a couple of guys that, that did a fast track in, in MVQ, but had a hairdressing background in the background. So it, yeah, you know, so it wasn't really a but, nine But you're still thing. sense checking them. Yeah. And the qualification doesn't mean anything in fundamental terms as it stands today. There's yeah. not enough. There's not enough weight behind it. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. No, I definitely agree with Joe there, hundred percent. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you. That's brilliant. Thank, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. That's a great content in there. So that was the Respectfully podcast talking about the men's industry and where we are and where we should be and where we could be. (laughs) So if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please scroll down on your device, your smartphone or on the computer to find the notes where we will give you links to anything that the guys have referenced. Please check out our other podcasts on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us because it helps to push us up in the charts. 
Absolutely. Until next time, thank you, Lauren. Yes, thank you, Nikki. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, boys. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thank you.